everybody. How exciting that we get to celebrate Christmas Eve all together. Okay. Merry Christmas. Tonight we celebrate the carol Joy to the World. It was written in 1719, so this is the 200th anniversary. It is the most published Christmas carol in the United States. The words from this song come from the Christian Old Testament, Psalm 98, and the tune is derivative of Handel's Messiah in some parts. While the lyrics have been adapted many times over the years, it continues to inspire and fill us with the spirit of the season. Please rise, embody your spirit, and join in singing together hymn 245, Joy to the World. gather together on this Christmas Eve in fellowship, looking for light, for hope, for peace, and for love. We gather as people from many backgrounds, many faiths, many cultures, and many spiritual paths. But as we light this chalice, we gather together as one body, looking to the nativity for its message to all of humanity. Its message is that there is light, there is hope, there is peace, and there is love. Through this Advent season, this season of waiting, we have asked for patience, light, peace, and love. And now that the waiting is over, now that which was to be has come to pass, we light the flame of hope. We welcome the coming of days we have hoped for we have realized hope, yet know that hope can never be realized. We commit ourselves to patience, to working to dispel darkness, to working for peace. We commit ourselves to love and hope. We light this flame as an end, as a beginning, and as a symbol of the eternal now. Please rise and body your spirit and join me in singing Hymn 253, O Come All You Faithful.
The Christmas story is rooted in old, old tales of the winter solstice. In ancient times in Europe, when the solstice came, our distant ancestors sometimes told stories of a miraculous child born to return us to the light. Throughout the world, people tell stories of a child born to a royal family or an important and rich family who would grow up to lead humankind into a time of truth and of justice. The early Christians adapted, some would say stole, these stories of miraculous births, but they added a twist to the old stories. Their miraculous child was not the son of a king, but was the, merely the son of a carpenter. He was not the son of a wealthy queen, but it was instead the son of a woman whose only wealth was her moral purity. And that Christian story has been told and retold innumerable times since those early Christians first began telling it 18 or 1900 years ago. We're going to recreate the old story of the miraculous birth of Jesus. We are going to live it out and give it our own slant tonight. We'll draw on two early Christian accounts of Jesus' birth from the books of Matthew and Luke and what we call the New Testament. And since we take the story of Hanukkah seriously, we're going to make this a story of freedom and liberation. And drawing on our own universalist heritage, we're going to make this a story of hope for all people. Instead of just listening to or watching the story of the birth of Jesus, we're going to get inside of it. Are you ready? <laughs> Try to forget that you've ever heard the story before. Even though you recognize the familiar characters, even though you remember the familiar plot, try to hear this story as if this is the first time you've heard it. At various points in the story, I'm going to ask if some of you would be willing to come up here with me and play parts of some of the characters in the story. Do you have your lines memorized? Okay, no speaking parts. So when I pause and ask for volunteers to play the parts in the story, if you want to play that role, raise your hand, please, and I'll call on you. I'm going to need 19 people by the end of the evening. Then you can move over there, and that Kathleen will be over there, and she will dress you in a simple costume, and then Trish is going to tell you where to go. Are you ready? All right, let's begin. If you wish, close your eyes for a moment. Transport yourself to another time and another place. Imagine that a story is going to unfold before your eyes, a brand new story you've never heard before. Imagine that after years and years of hearing stories about women and men bowing down before powerful kings and emperors and dictators and tyrants, you finally hear a story in which three powerful wise people kneel down alongside some shepherds before one tiny newborn child. Imagine that after years of hearing story after story, telling of terrible wars, you are at last hearing the friendly story of a baby, the story of a humble carpenter and his wife, the baby that is born to them in a stable, shepherds and a star-lit field who go to see the newborn child, and peaceful animals who gather round in the stable where the baby lies in the cow's feeding trough. Imagine 
that at last you are going to hear a story in which everyone is longing for peace on earth and goodwill to all persons everywhere. Imagine that after years of hearing stories about the results of hatred and oppression and persecutions, you finally are hearing a story about the transforming power of love. Listen and watch carefully. Let the story begin. So to start off, I need someone to be Caesar Augustus, Emperor of Rome. All right, come on down. Galen's going to be Caesar. Hail Caesar! In those days, long, long ago, a decree went out from the emperor, Caesar Augustus, saying, all the world should be registered so they can pay taxes to me. Yeah. <laughs> now I need two people. I need one to be Joseph, a carpenter, and one to be Mary, who's engaged to Joseph. All right, we have Joseph. Where's Mary? All right. Aranza. Mary and Joseph, once your robes are on, could you please walk slowly because you're taking a very long journey all the way around the outside of the sanctuary, not outside the doors, but, <laughs> and then come back up these stairs right here and have a seat. Oh, and this is the first scene of a, is a starlight night, so I would like everyone who has a wand or you see a wand in front of you, I want you to start waving that wand slowly so we have twinkling stars as they're traveling through the night. Thank you. All the people were re required to go to the town where they had been born to register. For some people, that meant a long journey. Joseph, a carpenter, had to go all the way from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, back there, to Judah, to Bethlehem, the city of David. He went with Mary, the woman he was planning to marry, because she was expecting a child. They started on their long journey, traveling by day and sometimes even by night. Their light was lit, the road was lit only by the stars. Joseph and Mary knew it was not going to be easy, what with Mary almost ready to have her baby. At least they had a donkey that Mary could ride on, and at least the twinkling stars made the road seem friendly. Thank you, stars. You can, now that Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem, you can put your stars down. When Joseph and Mary got to Bethlehem, they discovered that there was no room in the inn. The inn was the only place in town with comfortable beds. But the only place Mary and Joseph could find to take shelter was in a stable cut into the side of a hill. So they settled in to sleep there among the animals. So I need some animals. I need a cow. I need a pig. I need a chicken a cow and a pig and a chicken and a mouse. Come on up over here. The gentle animals welcomed Joseph and Mary into their stable. And that very night, the time came for Mary to give birth. It was a stable, so when the baby was born, of course there was no cradle for Mary to lay her baby in. But one of the cows was kind enough to lend her feeding trough for a cradle. And Joseph and Mary laid their new baby there among the hay in the feeding trough. Now I'm going to need two shepherds. Oh, one 
Do you want to be a sheep or a shepherd? I need a total of two shepherds and four sheep. And we've got one person. Come on up. And okay, Kurt, are you going to be a sheep? And you, come on up. I've got one, two, three, four, five. I need one more person. I need, I need, okay, come on up. Come on up. I also need a messenger of God, an angel who's the messenger of God. Come on up. Who's that? Raise their hand back there. Oh my gosh. Nothing says angel like this. Yep. All right. In that region, there were shepherds who lived for months at a time out in the fields, watching over their flocks of sheep by night. They had to watch over their sheep because there were wolves in the hills that would gladly eat the sheep if they could get one. On this night, as the shepherds stood watching their fields, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And this angel was truly magnificent. <laughs> and the glory of God of the Israelites shone all around the shepherds. Not surprisingly, the shepherds were terrified. But the angel spoke gently, saying to them, Do not be afraid, for I have appeared to bring you good news of great joy for all the people of Israel. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a child wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a cow's feeding trough. Oh. I see we're going to need a lot more angels all of a sudden. Perhaps some of you, as many as you want, could just stand where you are and start flapping your arms gently like an angel for me. All right, here we go. Okay, I've got a herd of angels here. Then the angel who had spoken went on to say, this is your head of these, all these angels, do you? Yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest, and on earth let there be peace and goodwill among all people everywhere. And there was a whole host of angels singing and praising God, and the shepherds were amazed. It is truly amazing to look at you all. <laughs> Thank you, host of angels. You may now be seated. Upon hearing the message from their God and hearing the songs of the angel choir, the shepherds said to one another, this is amazing. Let's go up to Bethlehem and actually see the baby the first angel told us about. Being good shepherds who cared about their sheep, they brought the sheep along. So the shepherds went to Bethlehem with their sheep, and there they found Mary and Joseph and the new baby, just as the angel had told them. Afterwards, the shepherds would tell everyone what the angel had said to them about Mary and Joseph's new baby, and everyone who heard their story was amazed. As for Mary, she already knew her baby was wonderful, but she listened carefully to what the shepherds said and treasured all she had heard in her hearts. The shepherds and sheep gathered around the feeding trough admiring the baby. They praised their God for this wonder of new birth and they prayed and hoped that what the angel said would come true, that there would be peace on earth and goodwill for all people, even for lowly shepherds. 
Now I'm going to need three wise people. I need three wise people. Okay, one, two, and Carl in the back. You're going to head out to the back, right over there where Kathleen is. After you get your crowns at the back of the church, please begin walking slowly up the aisle in the middle and stop at the first pews. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, three wise persons who were kings and queens from the far east came to Jerusalem. As these three wise persons journeyed their long, slow journey to Bethlehem, actually it took them 12 days to get there, which is why we talk about the 12 days of Christmas. They noticed that their way was lit by a large and bright star. I need a star. Who's going to be a star for me? All right, come on up. First, the wise people went to visit Herod. I'll need someone to be King Herod. It needs to be someone who's sitting right on the aisle, and they can stay where they are. Who's going to be Herod? Brian, you're going to be Herod? Okay. And these wise people went to Herod, and they asked him, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star in the skies, and we have come to praise him and bring him gifts. The three wise persons learned from Herod about a prophecy which had been spoken long ago, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So the three wise persons set out for Bethlehem, and as they walked, they saw ahead of them the star as they had first seen it in the Far East. The wise persons followed the star until it stopped over the stable where the newborn child was lying in the cow's feeding trough. When the wise persons entered the stable and saw the new baby, they were overwhelmed with joy at the new life. They knelt down to worship him, and they opened their bags and brought out gifts of gold because the crowns of kings were made of gold, and frankincense and myrrh. Myrrh was what was put in the oil used to anoint kings. Now we're done. (laughs) Joseph, Mary, sit, sit. Sheep, put your masks on. Let us pause for a moment. Look at this scene. It's a special night with stars and angels and shepherds and wise persons and animals. And they are all admiring a special baby that has just been born. Why would all these people stand around for such a long time to admire, not admire a tiny child? There's only one reason I can think of, because the birth of a child always, always, always brings us hope for a new future. And for people who lived under oppressive Rome and all the while longing for liberation, the birth of a child must have been fraught with extra meaning. Will this be the child who leads us to freedom? Will this be the child who breaks our bonds of slavery and establishes a reign of peace and righteousness? So it is in our world today. In a world that sometimes seems hopeless, we still look with hope to our future. Every time a baby is born, 
we hope that this child will be one of the ones who leads us into a world of righteousness. And every time we tell this Christmas story, it reminds us that we must go out and work for liberation and justice. We, you and I, are the ones who are responsible for making sure the world is a better place for all the babies that are born. Thank you to all of our volunteers and our great stars and our animal noises. Let's give them a round of applause. And you may be seated. <laughs> now we're going to move into our next carol. Please rise as you're willing and able and join in singing Angels We Have Heard on High. Writing of the Holy Family, Mary, Joseph, and the babe Jesus, Wendell Berry once asked what would happen if we ourselves, opening a stall, a latch thrown open countless times before, might find them breathing there. I wonder what it would mean for us if we did. If we, still rubbing our eyes from sleep, with our long daily list of tasks already running through our minds, suddenly stumbled upon the Holy Family, the Holy Family, standing right there in front of us, huddled together against the cold, 
a tiny baby nestled in the arms of his parents. What would it mean for us to be startled away from our distracted thoughts, pulled suddenly into the intense needs of the moment? Warm blankets, soft pillows, hot food. To understand immediately that we would have to make a choice Set aside the daily list of tasks, the laundry, the child's play date, the stacking papers teetering on the desk, or set aside this, this what? This miracle? This wonder? This invitation into another life? Because we could, of course, just set it aside. It wouldn't be that hard, or at least not that complicated. We could just turn and walk away reassure ourselves that someone else would soon come along to help. After all, the family is right there. We practically fell on top of them, for goodness sakes. And honestly, they could be a little more considerate, now that we think about it. Move just a bit more out of the way, instead of acting so entitled, blocking the paths of people who are responsible enough to take care of themselves and their own kids. Yeah, someone else will come along soon. Not that that family particularly deserves any help. We could set it aside. Or we could set the tasks aside. We could allow ourselves to be pulled into the urgency of the moment and then pulled even further into a world sanctified by joy, by wonder, by the presence of holiness. We could allow ourselves to be pulled into that sanctifying world with its new mother, luminous and weary from the task of giving birth, with its father, determined and probably a little afraid, with its babe, intoxicated with the scent of new life, his mouth already open in hunger. We could choose that world. We could. And I wonder what it would mean for us if we did. Yeah, I ask only because I could swear to you that I've seen that holy family everywhere. Weary mothers, frightened fathers, and hungry children everywhere. Maybe you've seen them too. Which would mean that now is the time to choose. Do we step around those holy ones on our way to check off our tasks one by one? Or do we step into that other life with its pressing demands and astonishing glory? With its refusal to allow us to sumper backward towards safety and comfort? and self-focus. I ask only because I think they are out there right now, the mothers, the fathers, the children. They're out there, and they may be in here too, waiting. Waiting for us to choose them. Waiting for us to feed the hungry, to comfort the weary, to strengthen the frightened, to stand with the weak. I think they are waiting right now to see if we will choose rightly. I wonder what that would mean for us if they did. Let us pray. Spirit of life, divine spark, come to life in each of us this night. Remind us of what stirs in our hearts. Let us not be distracted by the glamorization of the holy story the tragic story, really, of a couple forced from their home, traveling despite advanced pregnancy, traveling without knowing where they might sleep or eat, 
left to fend for themselves, to be given no mercy on a night like no other night, the night they gave birth in a barn. Just as shepherds were guided by a messenger of God and wise men were stirred to follow their star, help us to follow that light that guides us forward, the light that reminds us of what is most important, to do justice, to love mercy, and to stay committed to the Spirit of God, to turn to what is good and holy in each person we encounter. Spirit of life, remind us to show compassion, to be stirred to action, to touch our own center, and so to reach out to that center in each person we are with. Spirit of life, stir in our hearts, stir up our hearts, stir us up. Blessed be. Aho. Amen. Please remain seated while we sing together Carol 225, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes have all gone home, and when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, 
to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild nations, to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. The Christmas Eve offering is traditionally goes towards our ministry discretionary fund. This fund is used to help those in need. This fund is used by the minister, that's me, for the good of others in the congregation and in the community at large. Your generosity makes this possible. And in fact, the generosity of this congregation has made this fund so full that we do not need to collect for the MDF this year. And so instead, this evening's collection will go toward relieving the suffering of those stranded on the U.S.-Mexico border near Brownville, Texas. This is a camp of refugees, people like Mary, Joseph, and their baby, forced from their homes. Over 2,000 people are in this refugee camp that receives no government support. So families have inadequate access to toilets, showers, food, and have no housing at all. This is a crisis right on our border, and we will build shelter. Please consider making a generous donation this evening. This is a poem called Who Taught You Rapture by Nancy Fitzgerald. Rembrandt's Spots of Light, Mozart's Violin Chasing the Piano, The Grain of Oak Awakening to Oil, The Indigo Returning in the Spring, The Dance as a Woman's Skirt Moves Across Her Thighs and Her Partner Catches All Her Ripples in His Arms, The Baby Wet and Warm from Birth, resting after labor on our tummy. The rain, the wren, the work, the blossoming fruit, the day in bed alone, the day in bed together, the dog running down the beach, the poem opening like a rose, a taste of honey in Crete, your mother's lap, your father's laugh, the pancakes made for you, the silent night, the ease of death, the snowy trail, the summer sun, the risen loaf, the perfect sail, the silent night, the stars, the breath, the moon, the silence, who taught you rapture? I think about this poem a lot. I think about this poem all the time. I first heard it read by Garrison Keillor probably over 20 years ago, and I rewrite it in my mind all the time as I think, who taught me rapture? What are those moments that took me to that place of awe and wonder? A time I experienced a sunset so brilliant with such unexpected colors that I had to pull my car over to the side of the road just so I could sit there and be absorbed in the vastness of what I was seeing. Or standing 
on the cliff edge of Muley Point in Utah, staring over the red mesas and the wide open sky, or the smell of a baby's hot scalp, or that first taste of crab dipped in butter, or the sound of Mary's laughter. What brings you rapture? This is a time of year when we long for those moments of rapture, those moments that transport us out of ourselves into something renewing, even if just a glimpsing sight of wonder, that awakening to something that stirs our soul. I think we try so hard to create them. We try to create this wonderful experience by eating with good friends, giving the perfect gift, cooking the exceptional meal at this time of year. Yet we can have the experience of awe even in response to mundane things, hearing a genuine laugh, seeing a leaf change color, hearing a cat purr. When we experience awe, we step into something vast, something that transcends our understanding of the world. And in response, we get a sense of our own smallness. So vastness and smallness, expansiveness and insignificance at the same time. And this duality of experience changes us. People who have studied the experience of awe have found that these moments have a deep impact on us. Awe transforms our minds, and it changes how we act in the world, and it changes how we see each other. They found that taking time to sit in wonder will move us first from self-interest and isolation to a desire to build community and be in connection with others. Second, from materialism and greed toward generosity. It moves us from narrow thinking toward curiosity and intellectual purpose. It moves us from mundane living toward creativity. And lastly, for under, from underperforming physical health to more robust health. Awe moves people to start thinking in terms of us instead of them. Albert Einstein said this, the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mystery. It is the source of all true art and science. He to whom the emotion is a stranger, who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe, is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. We long for our eyes to be opened. We long for the experience of awe in our lives, for that moment that seems to put our lives back in perspective. Let's remember to take time for this. Let's move our gaze from our iPhones to the stars. Let's get up early and watch the sunrise. Let's play some amazing music. Let's serve some food at a shelter. Be present to someone, really listen and attend.
dance. Let's take time, especially this holiday season. Let's take time for awe. Blessed be. All right. Please rise in body or in spirit and join voices in singing. Hymn number 237, the first Noel. the moment of magic and the whole round earth turns again toward the sun and here's a blessing the days will be longer and brighter now even before the winter settles in to chill us now is the moment of magic when people beaten down and broken with nothing left but misery and candles and their own clear voices kindle tiny lights and whisper secret music and here's a blessing the dark universe is suddenly illuminated by the lights of the menorah, suddenly ablaze with the lights of the canara, and the whole world is glad and loud with winter singing. Now is the moment of magic, when an eastern star beckons the ignorant toward an unknown goal. And here's a blessing. They find nothing in the end but an ordinary baby, born at midnight, born in poverty, and the babies cry like bells ringing 
makes people wonder as they wander through their lives what human love might really look like, sound like, feel like. Now is the moment of magic, and here's a blessing. We already possess all the gifts we need. We've already received our presence. Ears to hear music, eyes to behold light, hands to build true peace on earth, and to hold each other in love. I invite you now to join together as we light our flames of love and join in a community. I'm going to ask everyone to stand in a moment. Don't get up yet. We're going to form a circle around the walls of the sanctuary. Please take your candles with you. And then we'll start with my candle and Trisha's candle and moving in both directions. Please light your candle. Be sure that the lit candle stays upright and it's the unlit candle that bends into the one that's on fire. And then after all the flames are lit and we're standing together, we will be singing Silent Night.
Cheers to epiphanies great and small, wherever they occur. A blessing on all wise men and women, east and west. Here's to the stargazers and pilgrims everywhere who are still foolish enough and brave enough to follow their stars, who travel by night, who bestow their uncommon gifts on us all. Let the people say amen. amen. Merry Christmas. Cookies in the foyer. <laughs>